Welcome to the 2SER Book Club, where every week we open up a new book and help you discover something to read, no matter what your taste. Here's Andrew and Tess. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Tess. How's it going? Going really well. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Uh, You know, sort of getting over everything with the Writers' (laughs) Festival, but now with the election coming up, it feels like... The, the brain is just working overtime trying to keep on top of things. What are we down to? Four, five days to go? Ugh, not enough. Not mm. enough days to go. Mm. And just trying to keep an eye on on who we are. I Actually, this is kind of... Because this is why I like books. Books have this way of uh, letting us know who we are or giving us an insight or giving us a... Holding a mirror up. And that's that's sort of why I brought the book in that I brought, brought well, in today. If you're going to hold up a mirror, it's probably a good week to do it. Mm, mm. And so I brought in, I actually brought in Melanie Cheng's Room for a Stranger. Oh, I've heard of this one. I haven't read it, mm. but I have heard of this one. So it's it's brand new. I think it's only been out two or three weeks. But Melanie Cheng, this is her debut novel. But her her first book, Australia Day, was was actually really you know widely and well received. So uh, Melanie is actually she's a writer and also a general practitioner, which uh, I guess isn't a combination that you often see, but is amazing for her literature. When I spoke to her, she talked about the insights that she gets just from meeting so many people as a doctor every day. Uh, As I mentioned, Australia Day, her debut book was a collection of short stories, and it very much explored the range and diversity of voices that make up modern Australia. And, And Room for a Stranger kind of follows on from that. So the book throws together an unlikely pair of characters in Melbourne's outer suburbs. Meg Hughes is old. She's feeling every bit of her age and doesn't like where things are heading. As a carer for her sister, she never married, and now she wonders if anyone will be there to hold her hand when her time comes. And when her home in Melbourne suburbs is broken into, Meg joins sort of a home share program, so she'll have some company and perhaps even some protection around the house. Andy is studying biomedicine. He lives in central Melbourne amidst sort of a vibrant community of international students. When his father's cleaning business in Hong Kong begins to struggle financially, Andy has to give up his apartment and find cheaper accommodation. Andy's also struggling to live up to this expectation that he he will exceed in his studies and ultimately become a doctor. So as exams approach, he's desperate. He's really becoming quite desperate to conceal the fact that he feels in over his head and he might even fail. And as you kind of, you're probably guessing about now, you know, Andy and Meg are are going to be thrown together as this kind of <laughs> sponsored, you know, share house arrangement. It's sort of like a subsidized Airbnb odd couple pairing. Sounds like a good idea, actually, just the, the theory of, you know, the, the house share sort of theory. It does actually sound like a really good idea. I, I didn't do any research. I'm assuming that this is a real thing out there. I mean, I know I've heard of different research studies where and, and different programs in different countries where students live in sort of aged care type settings and they perform duties and it apparently has amazing outcomes for everyone involved but in in room for a stranger we we have this sort of this odd couple they don't really fit together at first and straight away as a reader i found i was challenged to explore this very unlikely situation so we we understand the housing crisis or whatever the media is calling it this week Um, But I feel like it sometimes fails to penetrate that middle class bubble around where the negative gearing is a good or an evil or, you know, what's the trade off between location and then domestic comfort? You know, do you have a do you have a mansion in the hills or do you you live in a shoebox apartment in the middle of the city? Yeah, a mouldy room in, Mm. in, in the inner city. 
Meg and Andy's situation though, it's driven by necessity and it makes them really strange bedfellows, partly because they're also the kind of introverted people who are mostly just kind of tossed along by fate. They're not people that put themselves out and make big decisions. One aspect of Room for a Stranger that immediately attracted me was the voices. Meg and Andy are both beautifully realized, but incredibly unique. And what I mean by that is they're not the voices we typically hear as point of view characters in a narrative. Meg's in her 70s and is all but housebound. She's got no family uh, and only a few friends with whom she sort of keeps a weekly coffee date. So you can imagine that that very much circumscribes her life. She's also, she's not your grandma and she's probably not even someone involved in your local community group. She does not get out and put herself out all that often. In the public discourse, you'd say almost she's a, st- a statistic uh, on the boomer generation or maybe a talking point for a politician. You know, She's someone that's talked about, not spoken to. Similarly for Andy, as an international student, Andy is, some- is someone that vast swathes of the population probably understand through selective reporting. He's a booster to the economy or perhaps he's part of a new demographic of, te- of a, you know, a temporary Australian sort of resident or even, you know, definitely not Andy, the character that I meet in Room for a Stranger, <laughs> but uh, maybe he's, you know, a, a gang member or someone, someone to be uh, classified by a category, but not by their individuality. And um, so then we have these voices opening up into personalities and perspectives on life in Australia beyond this dominant narrative. And I feel like that dominant narrative is especially being reinforced during election time. We get the sense that there's a very narrow Australia that the politicians are pitching at. So that's why I love having this different view. They're also an antidote to the kind of culture of individuality that we're bred and sold into as we try and live our our best lives, you know. The idea of constant achievement is undercut by Andy's sort of failure to live up to it. And he's so conscious of it. And it really makes you think and try to be okay with with what it means to to strive and not always reach. Because Meg and Andy are compellingly hopeless, but also wonderful, (laughs) they're perhaps a little bit more like the reader uh, than the reader is comfortable (laughs) to admit, or at least for me, they were a bit more like me than I'm comfortable (laughs) to admit. Um, and it's something of a cliche to talk about, uh, you know, something revealing our common humanity. We're always looking for that, our common humanity, and we're always appealing to it. But what Melanie Cheng achieves in Room for a Stranger is to show us how much the details of our lives matter and how we callously disregard them to our peril. So for me, like, the unfolding of Meg and Andy's relationship, that's the ultimate joy of Room for a Stranger. And I was thinking about this as you were talking as well. I was trying to to think of a, another book or not even a, a book, you know, uh, any form of media, movie, TV show, where the two main, there are two main characters and not one of them fits that, you know, middle class, white, Australian, you know, sort of, I guess, in air quotes, stock standard. Like, and both of them are so far outside of that. I mean, there's there's a, a lot of forms of media I'm thinking about where, you know, maybe one of the two is, but not both. It's a huge discussion and we see it across sort of narrative media. But one that jumps to mind is with the Marvel films. Mm. There was a lot of discussion and then even um, criticism after the fact that it took Marvel some 20 films <laughs> to cast to cast a person of colour in the lead, to cast a a female in the lead, to give a a narrative outside the dominant white gaze. Um, And I mean, look, to say that even even Meg, she is is a white 
Anglo-Australian. But she is one of those people that is relegated to the sidelines and is talked about, not spoken to. Um, I don't. I, don't I mean, I don't want to overstate that. I think there is so much in this narrative. But that was that was something that really jumped out at me. That so often we we search out stories that reflect not just ourselves but our views. And Room for a Stranger very much allows us to sort of sink into this beautiful. Um, uncomfortable at times but joyful uh, exploration of people that uh, are for many of us nothing like us and beyond beyond our daily uh, understanding You've been listening to the 2SER Book Club. We record on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation at 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia The show is produced and presented by Tess Connery and Andrew Popel and a big shout out to Michaela Savage for graphic design and artwork If you're enjoying the book club, why not subscribe and get new episodes delivered straight to your phone every week? If you want more books, you can tune in to Final Draft or subscribe to Final Draft Great Conversations Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. To keep up with everything happening at the station and discover more stories, ideas and music, follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just look for at 2SER.